Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Antioch West Virtual Forum, March the 13th. It's another Whiteboard Sunday. No, actually, I've upgraded today. Yes. Uh, so if I start to draw on my partner here, it might not go so well. Uh, but no, welcome today. We're so glad you're here wherever you are joining us from. And whenever you are joining us, welcome again to Antioch West Virtual. And do you know what today is? I didn't tell you what today was. Do you realize what today is? No. Okay, think for a second. I'm going to give you a moment here. Paul says for a second we have a little moment. It's March 13th. Mm -hmm. Ring any bells? Do you know today is it's our, our two-year two anniversary? Well, I don't call it anniversary. Our two-year oh. <laughs> well, anniversary of being yeah. virtual. This is our Antioch West family. For those of you that are just joining us, and maybe you've only been with us for a little while, or maybe you're just finding us, today is our uh, officially two years that we've been operating sort of in a pretty much nonstop virtual setting. Two years ago uh, today, we had our first um, all virtual Sunday morning. Um, we were shut down with COVID in 2020. Um, and uh, that was the second week of March and um, second Sunday of March. And here we are two years later. I cannot believe uh, and I'll say that like excited. I can't believe. No, I just can't believe we're still doing this. The backdrop has changed a lot. Uh, but uh, we're still here. Um, this is our window at our home, and I'm sure a few minutes from now you hear our dog. And um, it's just we are we we've learned to uh, walk with Jesus and die out to our flesh. So it's been uh, quite a journey. But I didn't know if you realized it was two years. Today's two I years. Did when you said the date, two I years. Can you, I can't. It's amazing. So, but the amazing part is two years. God is still good. He has brought us through. He's kept us, and um, I don't say this as a uh, as as a as a rah rah speech. I mean this. I believe in a lot of ways we're stronger than ever before. We're more connected to Jesus than ever before. Um, it hasn't come without a cost. It has been difficult, but for Antioch West, the family who have stuck with us for two years, um, thank you. Honestly, I mean that. Uh, Enduring me for two years doing this, I can't even barely endure myself. Uh, so thank you for your endurance in all of this. And um, I don't know if this is the last week and it will be done, but um, I know that God hasn't brought us here to leave us here. He has a plan and a purpose. And I don't say that again as a saying. I know it. I see it. He's showing us new things every day. And uh, when all this picture comes into uh, view, I think all of this last two years is really going to be uh, uh, just a just a stepping stone. Um, it's going to just be a part of the story. It's just going to be written into the fabric of what God has done, even though um, I feel like the last two years has been measured in dog years. feels more like 14 than it does too. Um, but anyways. It will have been worth it. It will be worth it. Because you know what? I, I say this little intro into where we're going today, but... Um, when you walk with Jesus, it's not always easy. It's not always perfect, but it's always worth it. Amen. Always. Always. And even when it doesn't feel like it's worth it, 
when God finally kind of peels back the curtain a little bit and shows you, it's worth it. And um, thank God for those moments. Amen. <laughs> uh, seriously, that's a true statement. So for those of you today that maybe you don't see that's worth it, maybe you're walking with the Lord and you're looking kind of like David did, and when he looked around at the others and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm here trying to walk with you, you know, God, and, and all I get is heartache and pain and difficulty, and they're over there having a good time. And he said, all of this was just weighing on me. I mean, he was talking about all of this stuff he was struggling with, and he said, I, I, I was struggling with it until I got into your sanctuary, and then I understood. Now, you know, some have interpreted that as getting into a, a physical place, but that's not what the sanctuary represented to David. It represented the Spirit of God getting into his presence. And um, every day, I got to challenge you with this because I've got to do this. I know my wife has to do this. Um, I have to challenge you every day. If you don't spend just a moment, if it's that's all you've got, if you don't spend a moment in his presence, this world and everything going around, gas prices and nuclear war and, um, you know, Russia and China and everything else that's happening in this world. And not only that, but just our own everyday existence. It will, it will pull you down a dark, dark hole. But if you can get into his presence, even if it's just for a moment of his presence every day, um, it's worth it. It's worth it. So uh, welcome today. We're so glad you're here. Um, and again, if you're new with us, uh, just to kind of give you a recap, we are Antioch West. We do things a little different here. Uh, and um, we're a little unconventional. And we do virtual here in the morning. And then our we have small groups that meet um, the rest of the day and talk and share and fellowship and challenge and pray one with another. And um, if you're not a part of one of those and you'd like to have a church family, you can. we'd love to have you a part of where God is taking us and wherever God's taking you. And if we can help with that journey, that's awesome. But that's who we are. I'm Joel. This is my wife, Kate. We are blessed to be the leaders here of Antioch West. And uh, it has uh, been quite a journey and I kind of just mentioned it before, but a little recap on the last two years of us, of our, of our uh, story. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but for the last two years, we have uh, been without a building, a facility, um, and not being able to meet and having door after door shut in our face. But uh, God is still good. So uh, we're here. Welcome to our home. Um, we're so glad to have you. And I, 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 we've been on this little journey here the last couple of weeks, and it was not my intent to do this. Um, I didn't start off to do this, but uh, God uh, has sort of led me down this road, and week after week, he keeps just adding and adding and adding. And I believe there's another piece to be added here, because I said it two weeks ago, and I said it again last week, and now that my wife is here, um, I'll kind of add to it here. If God and I are on the same page, um, if we're not if we're not speaking the same language, then I'm not go going to truly understand what God is doing in my life. Right. Um, and speaking of it, I know this is a silly question and it's a very simple question, but how many times in marriage do we struggle because of communication? A lot. You can say a lot. It's fine. It's okay. We understand. No, because even because I found, if you don't mind. No, yeah, go ahead. Fire away. Um, I thought communication, if you would just communicate. But then I learned there's a way to learn how to communicate. And then also to make sure we speak the same language, I would kind of joke 
um, between, since you talked about marriage, he would speak German and I'd speak Chinese. I'm like, okay, we're both talking, but are we understanding what we're trying to tell each other? And so it's one thing to just communicate when you're talking to God. You know, you hear people all the time, oh, I, you know, do you know God? Yes. I know God. Well, how do you know God? I actually had this conversation with my daughter the other day, um, parenting, and I've learned a lot, um, a lot about God. It's taken my relationship with God deeper, um, not only as a child, but also being a parent. And we were talking and she made the statement. Um, I said, do you know God? Yes, I know God. I said, how do you know God? Well, because I talked to him. I said, okay, well, that's great. But a lot of people talk to God. I talk, you know, you can just talk. And so in a relationship, yeah, he can talk to me. But if we're not both, he talks to me, I talk to him. And that not only that, we're speaking the same language. There's a barrier there because you have two different languages going on. Yes, you're talking to each other, but there's no connection. And so I was talking to her about, you know, relation, a relationship with God. And we were going a little bit deeper um, of the connection point. And then also when God can does who has control and again this is a little different with you know husband and wife but at the same time you know I've told my daughter you know can God tell you no do you seek God about things in your life and so we had talked about that and so in a relationship and especially in marriage but also God yes you may be talking and he may be talking but are you are you connected are you understanding what he's saying to you can he understand what you're saying and it's more of unfortunately God is God it's usually the disconnect is usually on the human part. And so I've learned in my relationship with God, and I apologize, yeah, I didn't need to take over, but I don't always understand everything God is telling me. And when he says something, I'm like, oh, yeah, clearly I get that. And then when it do, the outcome doesn't turn out the way I thought, I go back to God and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not understanding something. This is what you said, blah, blah, blah. And then God's like, yes, but... You and I aren't speaking the same language. This is what I'm saying, but you and I have to be connected for you to understand me and to know what I'm showing you. And so it definitely takes, you know, time and all of that. But well, just a that, side note to that too is for, for, for especially uh, some of you may not understand this context, but some of you will. We've talked about this before. Sometimes we get a word from God or a prophetic word spoken of our over our life, and we mistranslate it. We we think, well, it must mean this, come to find out down the road. It meant something completely different. And in reality, uh, we were believing God was going to do this. In reality, he never promised that. We interpreted it that way. And this is why this series has kind of evolved. And and and, and the more we kind of got into it, God's adding. Because again, funny, funny, you know, husband and wife story here. The other day... Um, I had texted my wife and um, I was asking her about a situation and I said, what do you think about um, uh, them doing? And I said what it was and she didn't catch the them or the they. I don't know what I use. She missed that one word <laughs> and she kind of panicked like, I, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't. And I'm like, I took it as us. us. And I'm like. Wait a minute. What are we? I'm so confused. What are, what? And I'm reading a text going, I'm so lost. What? Because she's lost and I'm lost. And it all came down to missing one word in the sentence. And we had a big laugh about it, but missing one word in the sentence. And so this is why this is so important. 
Because some of you, God is working in your life. Whether you've just started walking with Jesus or you don't even know yet how much God is working in your life. Or maybe you've been walking, you've been walking with Jesus for years. Maybe you're one of those old veterans. If you and Jesus are not on the same page, and you're not on, he's not on your page, you're on his page. If you and him are not on the same page, and you don't understand, and you're not, you're not understanding what he's trying to accomplish in your life, you're going to spend time frustrated. You're going to spend time, uh, um, half your life, chasing something that God has no intent of giving. And so when we talked about this now, the last couple of weeks, we talked about, um, one, one, Several weeks ago, one of the, the, the things we talked about was the difference between conviction and condemnation and how you interpret that in your life because God's never going to bring condemnation to you. No. God's never going to beat you over the head and say, you bad, 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 bad person. You can never get it right. What does God do? He points out, but he points out with hope. Hey, this is wrong, but if you let me forgive you, I'll give you grace to overcome it. That's conviction, right? So we talked about that and we just said, the fruit of the thought determines its origin. We, and this is important, right? Because if you believe God's bringing condemnation, you, you won't go to him for forgiveness. You won't go to him for help. But if you realize condemnation never comes from God, only conviction, you're going to run to him for help. We talked about that. We talked about repentance. Uh, we've talked about uh, understanding I can do all things through Christ, not just in my weakness, but in my strength. We talked about all these different things. Why? Because it's important for us to get on the same page with what God is doing in my life. Because he does have a plan. He does have a purpose. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But his, his ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. So we're going to get right into it today. And, and I think the danger we all fall into, especially for those who have some working knowledge of the Bible, and that is that we often start to read a scripture and we automatically know it because we've read it and we just skip right through it. But I want you to listen again today. We're going to point out a couple things here uh, in this scripture and we're going to let the Lord build on it. And um, I'll say it this way. This may not be what you want to hear today, but it may be the answer you need to hear today. And um, just like parents often give the your, give a child the answer they need to hear, but it's not the answer the child wants to hear. So we're going to talk about that today, but we're going to use our scripture here, Romans chapter eight, and uh, we're going to go and we're going to start and um, uh, let's see here. Where would be a good place to jump in? Let's try verse 24, Romans eight twenty-four. for we are saved, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who is searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. First and foremost, you can't understand what's going to happen in the next verse if you don't understand that verse, the will of God. And verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his 
purpose. Now, this is seemingly a wonderful verse that, again, this is one of my verses that I call um, uh, a Christian bookshop theology. Uh, in case you don't know what I mean by that, is years ago, they don't have, actually found one the other day. It was a, there's a yeah, Christian bookshop still not too area. far from where we live. But for years, Christian bookshops seem to be everywhere. Um, bookstores in general have gone away. But anyways, you'd go in there and they'd have mugs and pictures and, you know, pins and everything, you know, shirts, whatever, that had scriptures on it. And so because of that, you would get a scripture and one scripture and you could make a theology out of that one scripture. And there's a bunch and we're actually going to talk two major ones today. But this is one that's a bookstore. A, a Christian bookshop theology staple. And that's Romans 8 and verse 20, not, uh, 28. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Man, put that on a t-shirt, put it on a mug, put it on a pin, put it on the wall. You know, it's always some beautiful meadow with a sunshine and bright skies and underneath of it, Romans 8, 28, for all, all things work together for good. And when everyone's going through something bad, you go up to them and you say, listen, don't worry. All things work together for good. Don't forget that. Now, I recently heard someone make the statement that at the, that at the um, funeral of their child, Someone came up to him, and, and, and it's not knocking it. You've done it. I'm not knocking you. I don't know you did it. But someone came up to them at their funeral of their child and said, I know this is tough, but don't worry. God said all things work together for good. Well, I got to be honest with you. If you just buried your child, it don't feel good. You don't see that. So when we look at that and we go back to two verses, uh, the, the, the two verses, uh, the, the previous verse that ends with the will of God, and then you get into that, there's some things there that are being lost in interpretation. And the reason I say that is, is because there's a difference in for good and what we consider to be for our good. Is that all right? Is that the correct way of saying that? Because we interpret good in a different way than God interprets good. Because I said it last week, we often look at God in a different way other than this father-child relationship because we expect God to give us all that we want, but we wouldn't give our child everything they want. Right. Because it's not to our good. Because yeah. this is how the Lord showed me. Because um, I've heard that scripture quoted so many times throughout my life. And when you look at it just naturally and you're looking at the lives of so many people that you, you know, whether it's family or friends or you know, especially us being um, leaders in a church. I mean, we are very privy to a lot of people's lives. And you watch people who don't handle themselves correctly and all of this kind of stuff and it seems like nothing ever touches their life and then you look at all these people that you know from one aspect you know they're doing all that they know to do and they I mean they're given everything and they're sacrificing and it's like all everything hits them and you know one person never touches but this one it always and it's like you kind of scratch your head and 
I've just heard the scripture verse so many times and you hear you hear the constant words of why do what is it why do bad things happen to good people and you know why if God care and I've heard this so much in every aspect you know if God is so real and God exists then why is there so much bad in the world and truthfully I've I've questioned it myself. No, I have right? at yeah, times. Yeah. Yes, if you know God really cares, why would He allow the things that He allows? And if God, you know, like for instance, just like with Ukraine right now and the things that are going on in our world, and I mean all of this stuff, and you hear these stories, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, Lord, can you help them out? And it's just you look at all this stuff. But one day, the Lord showed me, um, it was all things work together for, and for some reason, God highlighted in my mind the word for. And I always looked at it like two. All things work two, meaning for me, not for me, but to me. And so when God showed me the, and he just, the way he spoke to me about it, he just highlighted the word for. And as a mom, he spoke my language because I'm a parent. And how many times have I had to do things for my kids when they've looked at me, mom, how could you do that? Like for instance, if they're sick, I have to give them medication. I have to give them medicine to help whether it's an ear infection or if it's some sort of major bacterial infection and I have to give them medicine that doesn't taste very good or that's uncomfortable, whether it's eardrops or things they don't like. And they're looking up at me and they've got tears streaming down my face going, why are you doing this to me, mom? And I look at them and I have to say, because it's for your good. It's going to benefit you. I know it doesn't feel like it. And sadly, as human beings, and I'll just speak for me, the things that God has done for me, they don't feel good. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me hurt. It, I suffer. Mm. I don't. I don't see the good. And that's the thing is I look at my daughter and I'm applying eardrops, which is so uncomfortable and her ear is hurting and she's going, mom, it's this. I don't see that it's working. I don't see that it's doing something. And I'm looking at her and as her mother, I know what, it, I know it's best. I know it's going to heal this infection, but you don't see that it's healing the infection. You don't see that it's doing anything. All you see is this child with tears streaming on her face and she's so pitiful and she's hurting and you can tell that she's just in a lot of pain and if you were to come in as a bystander and look at this, you would think I'm the worst person ever. How could that mother do that to their, her child? You know, that child is crying and clearly they're in pain. And, but it's for her good. It's that medicine is helping that infection. It's killing that infection. It's doing something inside of her that we can't, we can't see that infection. We don't know that, it, that if I let that infection go, it's going to remove her ability to hear or it may, she might lose some aspect in her body. And, and sadly, God showed me that, Kate, there's a lot of things when I've said to him, God, this hurts. Really? You know, you could stop this and you're not. And I don't see it. And it all I feel is pain. All I feel is hurt. All I feel is rejection. All I feel is isolation. All I see is this and all I feel is that. And I don't see how this is. And God's going, but if you trust me, if you walk with me, Give it time. And yes, there is time. Now, there are still some things in my life, I'll be honest. I haven't seen the good from it yet. <laughs> I haven't. I can't really look back yet and see. But there have been times where God's like, all right, all that you went through, let me that you thought I wasn't working in, you thought I was hurting you, you thought that the suffering was for nothing. Let me just pull back the curtain as we were just talking about. Every once in a while, those pull back the curtain moments. It's like, ah. Oh. When I look down at my daughter and a week from then, she's like, oh, mom. Actually, my ear feels better today. Oh, I can actually hear. It doesn't feel like a wind tunnel or, Mom, it's not clogged. And, okay, yeah, I can. 
and then you can see where God allows sometimes those moments. And yes, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's 10 years. I mean, there's some things in my upbringing, I'll just speak that I'm like, God, really? Mm. You allowed that? Why didn't you give me this? Like you gave it to so-and-so. Why did you allow this? And But then as my life has played on and God has shown me through healing, and yes, it took, there were some things in my past that brought me such hurt and pain. But as he healed me and I look back, I'm thinking, there's no way I could stand here today. There's no way I could have fought through today had I not had and dealt with that. There's no way I could still be here today because in those moments where it looked like it was hurt and pain and it wasn't for my good, that there's no way that if I didn't have that, I could be where I am today. That that moment that was horrible, that was terrible, that looked like God was so uncaring and unfeeling. And how could you, God, that, you know, you are a heavenly father and, you know, you know how to, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more can our heavenly father give? And it's like, okay, God, you know, if that's the type of God you are and father you are, then how could you allow? But then when I look back in my own life and I'm like, wow, what I've had to endure now, there's no way. I could do what I'm doing now if I wasn't met at an early age with that. That yes, it looked like it was not for my good. It looked like it destroyed me. It looked like it was a weakness. It looked like it was something that, you know, could never, nothing good could ever come from it. But it's what gave me a strong foundation of who you have brought me to be today. And so God showed me that for my good doesn't mean to, which I always looked at as Two, all things work together for the good. And for somehow I interpret that as, okay, all things are eventually going to be a good. It's going to work out. It's going to feel good. It's going to, you know, it's going to bless me. Woo! But God has shown me that what he calls blessing and what I call blessing aren't the same thing. Oh, I'm going to bless you. You're going to get your blessing. Oh, it's going to work out. Woo-hoo! Do we have, and this is where we go back to connection with God, is his working out and our working out and his blessing and our blessing are our definitions the same. And sadly, I fall into the trap being literal. If God said this, that's how it's going to be. If God did this, that's how it's going to be. Black and white. Mm. God's black and white. God is literal. Yep. God said this, it's going to be this. Oh my goodness. Can I just tell you where I have gone back to God going, wait a minute. You said A, you said A, B, C. That's what you said. You said A, this is black and white. You said this, so therefore, it do, do, do. And God's like, nope. No. Lost in translation. No, but no, God, really, you spoke this. You said my life, actually, I do, as my husband said, I had a word from God, and I don't use, like, not trying to be disrespectful. I got a word from God. And... God said, spoke black and white, do, 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 do. And it was kind of funny. What was spoken to me, I took it as, okay, that's exactly what's going to happen. And it was funny. God actually let that happen. And I wish I could be a little bit more clear so that you guys can understand. Um, all right, Lord, do you want me to say it or not? Uh, yeah, I'll just put it out there. So I was given a word at a very young age, um, 14, that my life 
was not going to be the perfect little white house with a white picket fence. I was not going to be pretty much a, you know, run-of-the-mill, perfect, picturesque home life where my husband comes home at five every day, greets me with a kiss, and it's just wonderful. So I prepared for my life not to be living in a little white house with a fence, and my husband comes home at five every day, and that's clearly what I understood it to be. That's literal. God said, you're, you're not going to live in a little white house with a white picket fence where you just go out your life and your husband comes home. You know what's funny? There was a period in my life where God did exactly that. I lived in a little white house. I actually wanted a white picket fence, but it didn't happen. My husband, because I was a stay-at-home mom at a period of time, my husband would come home around 4 and 5, depending on what he was doing, and he would come home and greet me. Wait a minute, God. You said, I'm not, my house, my life is not, he told me this at 14. That if I, you know, did blah, 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 my life would not be such and such. So one day, my home life was wrecked. My marriage was wrecked. Our family was wrecked. And I went back to God and I said, um, excuse me, you didn't tell me this was going to happen. You didn't tell me my life was going to be this way because had I had known, I would have said no. Okay. God said, I did tell you. No, you didn't. I did tell you, Kate. I told you at 14 years old, sitting in that restaurant, that your, house, that your life was not going to be the perfect little white house with a white picket fence and everything goes about everything like you thought and how all of this would happen and you, your husband come home and greet you and it would just be this. And I'm like, because that's literal, right? God, you said, and it's funny, God gave me a little white house. We talked about a little white fence. We were going to put a little white fence. And there was a period of time where I stayed at home because I had small children and it was easier for me to stay at home and save money on childcare than it was for me to go to work and pay for childcare because my working was basically having to pay someone else to raise my children when I'd rather be at home if I'm going to do this and raise them myself. Because childcare was expensive and every, any little bit that I would have brought home would have gone to them. So I'd rather just raise my children on my own for free. And again, for those of you, uh, please hear what I'm saying, not what I'm say not saying. So I'm looking at all this and it was hilarious to me because literal, that's me. Black and white, that's me. God, you said it's going to happen just like you said. Wow, it did not. And he said, I told you. I told you that living with Joel Wright and living in this way, it was not going to be easy. I told you, I warned you at 14 years old, Kate Elizabeth. That your life was not going to be the picturesque life. That it was going to be hard. And you were going to have to literally rely on me every moment of every day some days. And I was like. Hmm. But all things work together for. And it's for. And that took a huge revelation for me. Because I had already had a rough upbringing and clearly if God is fair and clearly if he loves me and clearly he should make you know the next should be I mean should be everything it should be you know everything I didn't have clearly my next chapter in my life he should restore and bring and you know build oh no 
No. It got harder. From one house to another house. I'm like, really, Jesus? Huh? Really? The princess and every female, and I know I've talked about this before, and please, I'm, I'm making a point. I'm just telling my story. I'm not judging or criticizing anyone. I'm just talking about my story. Because there are some of us that we look too many times at others and we have to look back again. It's our story. And we don't all have the same story. But you know what? We all know what pain feels like. We all should know what rejection feels like. We all should know what hopelessness feels like. We all should know all of these things. Our stories may not be identical, but when we all look back at it, we all have had some degree know what it feels like. We all, to a degree, have experienced loss, whether it's been a loss, whether you literally lost someone you'll never get back, or it's a loss you live with every single day with somebody living right next to you. We all, our stories are different, but we've all felt the same way at some point. Mm. And so when you talk about God, we somehow, and sadly, I think it's more an American, and I'll just put it on myself as an American, I don't think we really clearly understand God because we look at it through American mentality. Like someone yesterday, it was so, it challenged me. Everything that's going on with the war right now, and, and I, I'm not trying to take over, I apologize, but, you know, we're thinking of, look at, look at our price, look at the inflation that's happened in America. Look at the gas prices. Look at how much things are costing now. And yes, that's all very valid. I, I'm serious. Every time I go, and there was a case of water we would buy. We buy Walmart cases of water that were two fifty six, are now $5. And I will say, when I go to pick up that case of water, I think, oh my gosh, this has doubled. I, this is an inconvenience to me, but to someone who that two, that half increase could affect their life. I think, I don't know how some people make it when you go to buy a bottle of body wash and it's seven to nine dollars. Well, that's ridiculous. You may have to be dirty for a while. Oh my gosh, I'm not kidding. Well, so when I say going these to one things, shower a week. Like I shop at Walmart, I shop at Costco or Sam's. I like going into a normal giant, and God bless you for those, because sometimes Safeway and Giant, if you get their deals, they're good deals. Walmart's not always be careful. Walmart gets you. They do. Where they cheapen something else, they Drive it up somewhere else. So, but meaning like I, you look at all of the prices and inflation and all this stuff and you think, you know, my God, it's coming to an end. But it was amazing. Someone challenged me so amazing yesterday. They said, yeah, as I drive up to this gas tank, I say, God, thank you that I have a car that I can fill up my tank. God, thank you that my car can run. God, thank you that as I drive home, that you allow me to go home to those I love. Thank you for not letting my loved ones being affected by this war. Thank you, God, that I can drive home to my loved ones or I know that my loved ones are safe. And yes, whereas American, we're being inconvenienced by, and I don't, I honestly, like I had made the reference of the five, you know, two and $50 increase on water. I'm not negating any of that because there, there are people in America that are really, affecting it i'm being inconvenienced but there are those that are being affected so you might be yeah some of you might be affected so i i yeah. mean no disrespect please i i mean sure. no disrespect but when you look at what's going on in the other countries and in the world in ukraine and you watch babies that are being born with bombs going on around them and mothers and children and you watch lives being torn apart children and fathers that are having to be torn apart and the sobbing and or a loved one that sees that their loved one died 
right there on screen or live through a video camera and they noticed that they were gone because of what happened to their luggage. They recognized the luggage and realized their their wife and kids were killed. That's how they found out their loved ones died. Mm. It really makes that $2.50 increase or that high gas tank bill or this, it really does kind of put it in perspective. Or the line at McDonald's because we had to wait an extra five minutes to get our Big Mac. Seriously, and again, <laughs> I mean no disrespect. It just, I look at some of this stuff and then I look at for my good, Lord, do I really, and I'm speaking to myself, do am I, are you and I really connected? You know, I feel your presence, but am I understanding... Am I understanding? Because, yes, you spoke to me. I'm not going to have a white house. I'm not going to have this perfect little white picket fence. My husband's not going to... When actually, I had all that. Because, so just talking isn't enough. But am I understanding? Because he and I are talking. But you're speaking German. I'm speaking Chinese. We're both talking. But we don't know what each other's saying. We're not speaking the same language. And so this is where sometimes for my good, you we have to... I have to go back and go, okay, God... You said this, but what did you mean by that? I'm not seeing what you're saying. I don't know why you're allowing, you know, I just lost my loved one. I don't know why this is happening in my family right now, God. I don't know why you allowed me to lose my job, God. I don't know why I happen to be driving. I've already had a bad day and my tire goes flat. When really God challenged me with this, what if my flat tire was because there's someone else in Ukraine that has it worse than I do and my flat tire gets me to that person over in Ukraine to help get them out when really all I'm looking at I'm being inconvenienced by my $2.50 water when really it's about someone over in Ukraine that's needing me that's needing not me but him through me that my flat tire because you know just nothing's going right in my life and I'm not living the American dream when God's like really you have a great life but so-and-so over here they're living from pill to pill, bottle to bottle. They've committed suicide 8,000 times and I've tried to protect them and save them with 8,000 attempts. And you're worried about the fact that your life isn't the American dream when over here they're not even wanting to live. And so I'm going to let you have a flat tire in your car, which is going to be an inconvenience to me, but to save the life of someone else. That's what God has shown me. Is that... Do I see things for my good? Because if I'm living my, my life, and I'm speaking to me, if I'm living my life for the American dream, the American dream and Jesus Christ don't mix. And there may be those of us that can live the American dream, but God's going to balance it way over here. Because you know what? I had a perfect little white house. And I had a white little fence. Not really, but I wanted one. And we were going to do it. But we ended up moving. But I was going to have that. And, oh, I got to be a, a stay-at-home mom. And every woman's dream where she doesn't have to work. But I'm sorry. If you've ever worked a job and been a stay-at-home mom, hmm, they're both hard. They're both hard. And then my husband came home. You could look from the outside and go, oh, she's got it all made. But God bounced it on the other side where... It wasn't an easy way to live. Oh no. The fights and the hell that broke out in 1426 Jones Station Road. And not to mention not only naturally but spiritually. The adversary that walked in our home. The, not trying to be rude. The spirits that came into my house. And told me how you're here with me. 
and the things that we had to encounter and then all of the opinions outside of those four walls of you should do this, you shouldn't do this. Well, how could they do this? How could they not do that? And oh, but I had the little white house and a picket fence and I stayed at home and clearly that just makes it all. No. So there may be some of us that live the American dream from the outside. So God's going to balance it with allowing a lot of war on the inside to bring balance to it all. But it's for our good. Mm. It's for our good. It's for, not to mean everything's just going to be sunshine and rainbows. I know I just can kick back on my hammock with my little iced tea and just oh feel the sun breeze and everything goes great. No. No. Yeah. So. Two, two things hit me, though, when you were talking. Um, one was the story. My father's told this story before. Some of you have heard him tell the story. But when he was in the, um, when he was in the Naval Academy, um, uh, he had a boil on his, uh, on his knee. And it was causing a severe pain, and it was infected. And he went to the, to the flight surgeon to get it uh, dealt with. And they said, okay, we're going to take care of it. The first thing we're going to do, though, is we're going to apply some heat to it to bring the infection to the surface so that we could can deal with it. And he, they applied heat and very hot uh, compress on it for a period of time. And then finally, once that was taken place, then they cut it open, they squeezed and he always tells a story that he two big uh, nurse, um, I believe in the Navy they're called corpsmen, but nurses came in, two strapping nurses came in. He kind of wanted to know why they were here. And he said, well, they're going to hold you down. And he said, squeeze that, squeeze that infection and this absolutely intensity of the pain. But all that was for good. Didn't feel like that. The pain and the heat didn't feel good, but it was for good. If you leave that infection... And this is how we look at it. The problem is for us, we avoid pain. We avoid discomfort. Given two opportunities, when you go to buy a chair, one looks uncomfortable, the other one looks comfortable, you're going to buy the big, cushy, fluffy cloud chair. You don't want a metal chair. Come on, those of you that sat for four years on metal chairs at Crofton Middle School, can I get an amen? Some of your buttons are probably still flat, Right? Because it wasn't, didn't feel good, right? It's like, I don't, I'm just five minutes on those chairs, it hurt. You don't buy those chairs for your home. We want comfort. That's what we want. We want comfort. We want convenience. We want escalators because stairs don't work. We want elevators because we don't want to walk the stairs. We want fast food because we don't want to wait. Now, Uber Eats and DoorDash, you don't even have to leave your house to get anything. You can literally order a candy bar from 7-Eleven, and I believe it was DoorDash, will deliver it to your door. That's where we're convenient. We're ease. So when we come to God, we're expecting God to not only do that, but double down on it, right? Bless me. Do things for me. And God's like, whoa, wait a minute. You've got an infection in your heart the only way for me to get that infection to the surface, I'm going to have to put you in a situation that's going to apply some heat. So you know what God does? He goes, all right, you're fired from this job. Oh, God, I'm fired. It's terrible. Oh, God, why have you forsaken me? And God goes, okay, here's another job. You're like, okay, God, hashtag blessed. I'm about to get a raise. Go to, new, go to, go to my new job. And you go, and your boss is an absolute pain in the backside and a jerk 
And you go there and you're sitting there after the first couple weeks and you're like, God, why have you forsaken me? My job, you fired me. I don't make as much money now. And my boss is a jerk. And God goes, because there's some stuff in you that has to get out of you. And the only way for that to happen is I've got to put some things in you and put some, in some situations to bring some stuff to the surface. You know what? To your to your your analogy, driving home and then had a bad day and then boom, a flat, t- flat tire. I've had that. And you know how I reacted? Beating the, beating the, uh, she's laughing because she was there. Beating the, like, God, what is going on? And God's like, because you got stuff in your heart, Joel, right? That I've got to get out. And it's, if I leave it in there, it's going to infect your soul and send you to hell. And I've got to get it out. So the only way you're going to do that is to apply some good in your life. Some heat, some pressure, some squeezing. To get this stuff to the surface. He'll feel good. Bishop Wright tells that story numerous times. I've heard him tell it probably 20 times in my lifetime. And he talks about it. It didn't feel good. The pain was immense. But the infection had to get out. There's some stuff in your heart right now. Some of you, and I feel this in Holy Ghost. So some of you, you have some infection in your heart. You got some things down in your heart. You might have some things from the past. That God is allowing. It's amazing. Oh, I'm about to get myself in trouble. All right, Jesus, we're getting out the boat with you. Some of you, God gave you the spouse he gave you and knew some things about the dynamic of your relationship that's going to poke at things from your past. You know why? Because he's got to get it out. So if he gave you a spouse that covered that, you would let that infection sit in there until when you got older, it would rot away and cause you to have bitterness and end up lost. So God goes, yeah, They were my will. Because my will is that you be whole. Healing doesn't always feel wonderful. Yeah, that child God blessed you with. That's bringing up all the stuff from your past. That child's a blessing from God. But God is working to good because he's going to every time. We've had it happen. We're talking to our children. We're we're giving them a lecture. We're, We're teaching them. We're... Challenge him. We're correcting him. In the middle, God's going, exactly. That's how I feel with you. And we're like, go to your room. God's like, yeah, I can't send you to the room, but I can send you to an altar. Why? It's for good. It's for good. It doesn't, some some of you right now, I know. That's why I said, I'll, I'll preface it this way. COVID didn't cause anything. COVID just brought stuff to the surface. COVID was a pressure cooker we haven't experienced before for a lot of us. Being at home, doing, you know, being isolated, being in these in, in, in uncertainty. It didn't all of a sudden cause things, but my God, did it ever reveal attitudes, hearts, spirits, junk. Some of us let that period of time, let the Lord help us. We got through some stuff awesome. Others of us, we endured until life came and we could start covering back up again. Covering back up. Covering back up. And now we're sitting here and we're two years into COVID and life's starting to feel more and more normal again. And we're not not now we're not having, you know, masks are going away and this is going away and we're starting to get back. We're like, yes, I got through. And God goes, no, no, no. If COVID didn't do it, let's just crank up the intensity. Why? Because he can't let some stuff sit in here. There's some stuff sitting in. We're doing this right now with 
with our with our kids. We've noticed some stuff has got into them from this world. Where the world is 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 sus, it is very subtly inserting things in their heart. And my my wife and I, through the direction of the Lord, recognized some things, and we went, "Okay, Lord, we can't stand for this." And you know what, man? If you ask him right now how their life feels, they would not tell you it feels for the good. We've had more tears and complaining and attitudes the last week. But it's good. It's good. It's really good. It's good. It's working for the good. And you know what's amazing? Paul said it. And and uh, you, uh, my wife just mentioned it. And I'll pull up here in my Bible for a second. Um, Paul says, uh, Paul says it this way, talking about the balance. This is good, right? We're talking about good, right? Uh, here we go. Uh, that's not the right one. Maybe it's 12. Oh, I got it right. Second Corinthians 12. Paul says this, verse seven, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. This is a loving, heavenly, kind, merciful, wonderful, care bear type of God. He just cares about us so much. A thorn in my in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. That word buffet literally means to beat on. Who sent it? Who? The devil's again. The devil's working right now. And the devil, by God, I'm going to that devil. Yeah, are there, we wrestle not against flesh and blood? Absolutely, 100%. But you know what? Paul, God sent some stuff in his life to buffet him. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then he says this, therefore, most gladly, I will rather... Boast in my infirmities. What? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs. In, well, time out. In needs, my God shall supply all of my needs. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this. God, do this. God, Paul says, I actually take, I take pleasure in my needs. In my persecutions, in my distresses. God, I'm stressed. I need a God, you gotta take care of this. God, this, you know, my boss and my job and finances and this and that and God, God gas prices and bread prices and egg prices and milk prices and this price and that price. And God, I'm stressed. Paul said, I take pleasure in my distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. You say, well, that's just Paul talking. He wasn't dealing with what we were dealing with today. Oh, no, he wasn't dealing with it, quite what we're dealing with today because he would look at us and actually feel sorry for us because he'd want to know what we have to complain about. Oh, no, he just spent basically half his life in prison. He spent half his life trying to avoid execution. He spent half the time hungry, broken, beaten, stoned, whipped, shipwrecked, Come on, my biggest stress last week is I spent 10 minutes in McDonald's line and they got my order wrong and it was a catastrophe. I'm not making fun of that. That's not true. What? 
That was not our biggest stress for last I'm week. just joking. Just joking. No, no. We <laughs> have Samavro. We have others. That is not true. Others. We have others. Trust me. We could go down the list. But in reality, it's for good. It's for good. Because here's the other verse, and I'll, we'll finish with this today. Here's the other one that goes along with this. You ready? Because this is a good one. And I'm about to... Uh, oh, sorry for a second. I was put it in the wrong search box here. This is a good one, right? Here's another really good um, uh, Christian bookshop theology. And we love this one. Are you ready? And some of you might actually have this on your walls. So if you do, I'm not knocking you, but you might want to stop and look at it for a second. Ready? Jeremiah 29, 11. Be ready to be inspired and changed. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not to evil, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yes. Man, that's good stuff. I want to read it again. I just feel blessed. For I know my thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Get ready, Kate. It's about to happen. Windows of heaven. He just said it right there. He knows. He knows. He's got good thoughts coming. Good things are coming our way. But you know what? That popped up the other day. It was about a month ago. That popped up in my little daily devotional that comes popping up on my 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 uh my phone. And I read it. I'm like, yeah, I've read that. Got the t-shirt. Got a mug. Got a pin. Got it all. You know, that's like you go to the store, even Walmart, you go to the store and you buy a religious card for a graduate. It's got that on there. God has plans for you to prosper you. And so I read and I just said, you know what? I want to read the whole chapter. Do you know who God was writing that to? Do you know what, the, what was happening when God wrote that? Israel was 70 years of captivity. 70 years of captivity in a foreign land, taken away from their home, taken away from their comforts, taken away from their place of worship. 70 years of captivity. When he wrote that, he said, "My, my I know my thoughts towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil. They were talking about 70 years of captivity. 70 years the context of that verse was he was talking to people that had been defeated and carried away to a foreign land. I don't want to be insensitive here, but just to kind of give you some context, that'd be very much today like going to the Ukrainians and tell them that, hey, by the way, God knows he's, he's for peace, not for evil. And they're like, look around, dude. I don't know if there's a bomb going to drop on my head anytime soon. But what does that mean? What does that mean? That means in the context that 70 years was working for good. That God had a plan. But 70 years didn't feel like a plan. Now I know if you go read it, they had they had they they prospered and had things happen and and God did some awesome stuff in verse 5. It says build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat the fruit. It said, you know, you're you're there. You're not just to sit around and be depressed, but this is for this is working for something. What are we trying to really say today? What's the Holy Ghost trying to say? We're not trying to say it. We're not. What are we trying to say? If some of you would get on the same page with God and come to peace with some things in your life today, 
Your circumstances won't change, but you're going to get on the same page with God. And some of this friction and some of the energy you're spending trying to change your life, you'll finally put it in God's hands. And you and Jesus will get on the same page and you'll start working together. And when you start doing that, yeah, that infection doesn't feel good. Squeezing all that junk out doesn't feel good, but it's for good. And you know what's amazing? What we found? When you want something to change, God never changes. But the moment you finally come to the end where it doesn't matter to you, and you don't care, and it's not because you're wink, wink, God, I don't care. God, you know, I don't care. Wink, wink. No, but when you finally come to the point in your heart where you're dead to that, and God, whatever you want, find out usually, that's when God allows things to happen. So you know what? For some of you, your situation you're in, as long as you care about it changing, and you're fighting to change it, it probably won't change. But the moment you start to die out, and you go, God, if this is the way I've got to, if I've got to live like this forever. And it's not just a wink, wink prayer, but it's a, you finally get to that point where you really are neutral. Because mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say it this way. You hear us, my wife and I use the term a lot. You hear others dying out. You got to die out. What does that mean? I mean, I have to literally, no. Dying out is when you become completely neutral. Where you don't have an opinion. You don't have a say. You completely get in a place where God, whatever you want, I'm neutral to it. That's what dying out truly means. Dying out. Dead people don't have opinions. Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't don't uh, uh, have preferences. God, whatever you want. And some of you right now, go ahead. But if I can just, because I can, I don't know, things kind of come back to me. Because I, I know when you start talking about dying, we're like, <gasps> every bit of like flesh, you know, living for God, clearly my life's going to be boring. Living for God, clearly it's going to, you know, I'm never going to be able to enjoy anything ever again. Clearly living for God to die out means... I just have to basically be a robot. I've had that conversation with God where I'm like, okay, you know, I have to control myself. I have to control my emotions. I have to control, you know, and obviously the Lord helps you do that. You know, if we could do it all ourselves, we could do it. We can't. But when you look at all of this stuff and you're breaking it down and I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, God, are you just wanting me to be a robot? You know, you don't want me to have any opinions. You don't want me to have any feelings. You know, everything's got to be you. Do you basically just want me to be dead, literally, and just go and just feel... I know especially for me, I'll just speak for myself, I've wondered that because I'm a very passionate person. Very passionate. And so when I'm in situations, um, I really have to, when I care about something, I really have to kind of learn... How to control myself because when I care, I mean, I can hug you and squeeze you to mm. death because I just love you so much and I can just feel it. And it's just, but I have to be cautious and careful. And so let me just paint the positive side of all of this dying out and giving God control of your life because I know the adversary always tells or he has, I'll just speak for myself. He's told me that if I give up control, my life is going to be boring. If I give up control to God, I'm going to do everything I don't want to do. It's kind of like, you know, a parent and, you know, eating vegetables. I'm only going to be eating vegetables. I'm never going to have uh, what I want to have anymore. I'm going to have to eat foods I don't like. I'm never going to be able to enjoy a dessert. I'm never going to be able to, and I'm just using food because that's generally, I love food. 
I just, I love food. And so, you know, I'm always going to have to just have, you know, my meat and then just a basic starch and vegetables. Never am I going to be able to enjoy. Never am I going to be able to have my pizza and my French fries and, you know, my dessert. Oh, my gosh, I could have mounds of dessert. And living for God is just going to be boring. I'm not going to be able to take a vacation. I'm going to have to be teaching Bible studies and in church services and constantly doing, and I'm not, please, I'm not knocking at that, but just, you know, I'm just going to have to basically live the life of a nun. I'm just going to, you know, have to just, oh my gosh. Okay, because when you think about dying, when you die, now again, you can definitely resurrect yourself. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't, and that's something I'm learning how to live i'm asking god right now how do you live dead because it's amazing how we can resurrect ourselves and our fleshly desires so we have to constantly for me i every day i have to say to god you know i submit my attitude my spirit my my dreams my hopes my me to you every day and so for somebody like me you know i'm a words of affirmation i'm you know i can kind of be and I'll just I'll share a little bit again with me I I I like to be told things I like to you know I appreciate you I love you and you know what's so funny God gave me someone that that's not their their strong suit and so we've had conflicts in our marriage because I'm like okay God I need this you know I have a need here and I need that and God's like okay that's great but I want you to get that from me and I'm like, well, no, you gave me a husband that's supposed to be everything, God. And, and, and he's like, no, you get that from me. And so I've learned that in dying out to Kate Wright being affirmed, validated, because I like being validated, I, you know, I like being told, good job. You know, you've done good, well, well done, Kate. God's like, mm. and the times that people give me a good job, I don't need it. And so I'm like, okay. And I've learned, learning, I haven't learned, I have not learned. I'm learning to do them for God, no matter if I get good job, awesome work, you know, love you, love you, Kate, appreciate you, this, that, affirm, whatever, that I've learned, it. I don't need that. I'm learning that as God, and I've just used that one instance, but I've learned as I've died out to things to God, not only am I stronger, but I don't need them like I did I've watched how giving up control and I just use that one little example I could use a thousand but I watched how walking with God no it doesn't make my life perfect it doesn't make all my problems go away it doesn't make um they're not the issues whatever so on and so forth pressures I will say, though, the peace that I walk in, and it's funny, the more that I have learned and I'm learning to walk in his will every day, not just on, and I mean no disrespect to anyone because I live like this for a long time, not in my designated church Sundays or Wednesday nights or Thursdays or uh, our Bible study or an hour of, hour of ministering to so-and-so, where God literally had my day from sunup to sundown, where Obviously, if you have a job, you need to make sure God gave you that job. You know, God is teaching us, you know, to walk with him in every single thing. You know, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So in my daily life, I'm 
connecting with him. I'm starting, I'm walking with him. But I've watched, because sometimes it's hard to tell what progress you're making. It's kind of like when you're on a diet and you're exercising. I hate to use this reference because I know not everyone's into it. But you don't always know how much weight you've lost or how much you've really grown or until you actually are kind of, it's like put to the test. Either you see someone that hasn't seen you in a while or you're out and about and you're at a restaurant and you go to order something bad that you haven't had. And then all of a sudden that, that bad, you're like, after you're done that meal, you're like, oh, okay, I, maybe I didn't miss that as much as I thought. And it's funny, I've watched how when you walk in alignment with God, doesn't mean everything goes right. Doesn't mean you dot every I, cross every T, that you have to live this perfect life. No. If anything, that's on the contrary. The more you walk with God and the more control he has, you realize, wow, you really do realize how much you are not in control, how much you can't control, and how much you can't fix. And really anything that positive comes out, it's really him yeah. and only him. And I will say what control you start to get, because it takes time. It does. I know there's still areas in my life that I have this, whatever, I think I, you know, I've given up control and God's like, oh, you really have? Well, let's, let's touch over here. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, no, I'm good. So there's still areas, even in my own life, I know I haven't given up. But I've watched how, when, as I've given up control to God, as I walk with him, as he leads me, we're not all on the same page. I've walked with God for a period of time now, so he's starting to get into the every little nitty-gritties of my life. But when you don't know somebody, I told my daughter, when you first meet someone, you're on a first-name basis. Hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Jesus. You know what? When you're first meeting someone, there's a little bit of disconnect. There's a little bit of trying to read them, learn how they are. You know, is this really how they, I mean, there's a little bit of disconnect, you know, you know, you're not going to go to what I'm talking about today. We're all in a different stage. So if you're not where I'm talking about today, it's okay. Take the pressure off. Jesus is not about pressure from the standpoint, you can't make a relationship happen. You can't. You can't. Take the pressure off. If you're feeling pressure, it's not Jesus. But look at God like you look at someone you have a relationship with, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a parent or a daughter, or a son, or a cousin, an aunt, uncle, a grandmother, whomever. It's a relationship. I have a relationship with my husband, when I, but when I wake up every day, I'm not like, good morning, Joel. Hi, I'm Kate. How are you? Good morning, Joel. The next day, good morning, Joel. I'm Kate. How are you? I'm your wife. I just want to remind you I'm your wife today. What would you... You're not robotic. Good morning. How are you? I Doing love good. you. Doing good. Thank and there's you. some mornings. It might be a quick, gotta go, love you. Or it might be like, love you. It's every day. It's different. Like I told my husband, as a relationship, if he gives me flowers today, I'm gonna love him. But if he does the same thing tomorrow, I'm gonna be like, you got me flowers yesterday. Why are you getting them for me again? And every woman says amen, and every guy just went. I okay, still just because <laughs> something worked the first time, don't repeat it tomorrow. It's a different day. So if you and Jesus wake up today and you're connected, and you know, great. But just means you're connected today. You can't repeat the identical things tomorrow and expect the same results. It's a relationship. Or you're robotic. And that's what religion does. It just says, Yes, you repeat the, yeah. you, the same conversation. Good morning, how are you? Like even my prayer time, it is not, Good morning, God, thank you for this day. Good morning, God, thank you for this day. Good morning, God, thank you for this day. Good morning, God, I'm Kate. Are you Jesus? How are you today? It's, oh God, I'm ironing. Lord... It's 6 a.m. and I'm doing laundry again. I'm ironing these clothes. 
I, this may be all I've got, but I just want to tell you good morning. It may be coming downstairs, getting a second, or in the middle of brushing my teeth, heading off. God, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you today. Just want you to know I, I want to be, I want to be in your will today. <clears throat> or you may have a time where you wake up and you're 30 minutes apart from your normal time, and you take a few minutes, make your coffee, you drink coffee or tea, or you just happen to sit down and just. Is he on your mind? Are you thinking about him? Because I've told my husband, he could plan out this whole amazing romantic dinner. But if we sit there like robots, I don't care how amazing the meal is. I don't care what flowers are everywhere. I don't care how per perfect or picturesque the sunset is or the ambiance. Or if we're not connected, we could sit in our driveway or in our car with two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and he look over at me and just say I love you I wouldn't want to spend anything in this world with anyone else but you Kate and that peanut butter and jelly sandwich and that seat in that car is the greatest spot and moment meal everything because we're connected you're not going to give up control to someone you don't know you're not. So if you're if you're struggling with control, and yes, there is some of it that's humanity. You got to get back connected with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Are you in love with the person that is wanting to go deeper, and you're in a relationship? You can't stay forever. I'm not trying to be rude. I've been married to this man for almost 19 years this May, and our relationship has fluctuated. There's times I'm like, oh, I don't, I couldn't feel any closer than I am. And then the next day it's like, I literally don't know if I felt any close to you as I do. Or are we even closer? Have we grown in 19 years? Like, but it's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's not a dictatorship. It's not a, you're going to do this, you're not going to do that. Like if my husband, I'm not trying to rude, would say, woman, you're going to do this. You're not going to do this. You're, I'd be like, <laughs> excuse me God doesn't do that you will now there are times with Jesus and even my husband where I'm out of line he's like um ma'am your attitude I'm like I know I'm sorry or sometimes I'm like I don't care <laughs> it's like, sometimes it's not I don't know it's like you're right <laughs> but then Jesus gets a hold of me and I come back and I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. Thank you for helping me. Remind me that I'm, I need help with yeah. Jesus. It's a relationship. This is a relationship. All of this is a relationship. You can't walk with someone you don't know. Yeah. You're not going to, but I'm going to tell you, and I was saying all this to say, we always talk about suffering and infirmities. And the reason Paul could say what he said was because he was connected. He knew him. And he knew, I, yes. I know Christ. He knew him. I know Christ. And when you die out to something, when something in you is dead, you don't want that any longer. When you've been, you've had a strict diet, not that you have to have a strict diet, but when you're going somewhere, when God is leading you, because you're not just having a strict diet to have a strict diet. You're not just dying to die. There's a purpose in your death. There's a purpose in it. There is, whether you can see it or not. And sadly, God does not always reveal the purpose in dying. I wish he would. He does after the fact. But then when you're put in that situation and you know those you're desires sure. and those things inside of you aren't, and you're like, wow, that would have absolutely derailed me however many years ago. That would have derailed me mm. yesterday. And I passed the test. Hallelujah. 
I did. God, Hallelujah. thank you. And then when you watch and you live in peace and when your days aren't like this, where, you know, if it's going great, you're on the mountaintop, you're on the valley. On the mountaintop, on the valley. It's really true. Amen. You can get the worst news ever and be okay. You can lose someone you love. And yet you cry, yeah. Do you miss them? Yes. Mm. But you're not ready to go blow your brains out. Amen. You know, okay, God, I know you've got them. And I didn't, I don't want to wake up another day without them. Mm. But I know that you have this because I know you. So I know we talked so much about that. And I didn't mean to take over that and I'll let you continue on. But there's so many benefits to knowing Jesus. And it's what I've experienced, and I'm not a salesperson by nature. I can't, I can't sell you. I, I, that's not me. That's not my personality. I'm clear, cut, and dry. I'm black and white. I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I've had to learn you attract more bees with honey than you do vinegar. That's that's me. You know, I'm just I'm going to say it like it is. You don't like it, get over it. But at the same time, Jesus has really softened that side of me, thank God, and is still working on me. But we talk so much about the negatives and, you know, the rules and the regulations. And, switch, and that's not at all how Jesus mm, is. Amen. When you don't know someone, you don't have a relationship, it looks like you have to give up stuff. It looks, but I got to be honest with you. Wow, is that not true? Mm. The peace that you have. And then when you get around other people that don't, you can tell just by the fruit of their life, they're not walking with Jesus Oh my gosh, it makes you appreciate it. Not, not judgment. Hear me. You don't get around it. Oh, they're clearly not. Because then you just proving you're not walking with Jesus because of self-righteousness. I'm sorry. <laughs> so if you're getting around people and you're like, oh yeah, clearly Jesus, they're not. In, mm. Well, you've just pretty much put yourself right in line with them that you mm. aren't walking with Jesus because you've got a wrong attitude and a wrong spirit. It's not always necessarily about what you do or don't do, mm. but it's about your attitude and your spirit on how you look at others. Because last time I checked, the Word of God says love covers. Love doesn't expose. And it's amazing how, just real quick, I'm sorry, I'm going to teach on this for a second, how much us brothers and sisters in Christ want to expose and not cover. We don't want to cover our brother and our sister. We want to expose them. Well, they only got the revelations I have with what God has shown me. They wouldn't be, oh, no, no, no. You know what's sad? You just prove you don't walk with Jesus because you know it's amazing. It's amazing what you see, what Jesus sees aren't the same. Because the people we want to write off, God's like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. There's something inside. There's something you don't, what you're seeing, it's not real. But the people that we look that are all buttoned up and they look like they got it together and they can do their hallelujahs and they can shake mm. it and they're, oh, God bless you, brother and sister. God's like, yeah, but inside the junk that's in them. Mm. So real quickly, I'm not saying that we look at people and we're judging them. I'm saying when you are walking with Jesus and you are walking, not judging them, but you can see that the fruit isn't there. It's not validating you and diminishing them, but it's just showing you that, okay, God, yeah, not everything in my life is going the way I thought, but you know what? Oh, I have peace. That I can wake up every day and I have hope that, yeah, there may be a chance my life may not be exactly what I wanted, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because I have you. Amen. That's good. No, good. I just want to challenge you with what we just said here. 
if you know him, you can walk through anything. Yes, you can. You can walk through anything. And I finished this with the story of Horatio and Anna Spafford. They were the typical American success story in the 1800s, living in Chicago. He was a lawyer and a successful businessman. They had five children, four daughters and a boy. The young son died of pneumonia, and their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. And in an attempt to start over their life, Horatio sent his wife Anna and their four daughters on a voyage across the Atlantic Ocean to start a new life somewhere on the distant shores of Europe. On the passage, something happened to the ship. I can't remember if it was a storm or something happened. And the ship, within 12 minutes, sank. All four of the daughters were lost. There was a sailor on a boat, a rowboat, trying to find survivors and saw a woman hanging onto a piece of driftwood, pulled her to safety, and it was Anna Spafford. When she finally got to safety, she telegrammed her husband with the words, Saved alone. What should I do? Horatio arranged passage on the very next boat he could. Took him on the same route that he had, his family had taken losing his four daughters. Now he lost all of his children, one to pneumonia, four to a shipwreck. And he was going to find his grieving wife. And the story goes that as he crossed the Atlantic Ocean and he got to the spot that the ship went down. In his immense sorrow and pain and hurt, he stood on the bow of that boat and the words that came to him he wrote down and he wrote this, When peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well, with my soul. If you know him today and you're looking at life and you don't know how to put all the pieces together, my wife said you don't really know the answers to anything, but if you know him, you can say today, it is well. It is well with my soul. Can I challenge you? Hopefully you've heard both of us say it today. This is a challenge, really, to grow closer to him. You won't understand any of this if you don't understand who he is. And so I challenge you today that you've heard what's been said here today, and it's a challenge to you with, with the intent, with a godly intent, that when you get off this broadcast today, you would spend a moment with Jesus. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to ask him to forgive you. Maybe you need to forgive him for what he's done in your life so that you can allow him to walk you through whatever journey he has you on. Father, I thank you today. God, we've put all this in your hands, every word that's been spoken here today. My wife and I have submitted ourselves to you. We submitted every word to you. We submitted every thought to you today. And, and God, ultimately, we've just wanted to be your voice today. That it's not the voice of Joel and Kate, but it's your voice. And Lord, I know you spoke, and I have felt you reaching and penetrating hearts and lives today. But God... We're not anyone's savior. We're not anyone's God. You are ultimately the savior. This is not about Joel and Kate, not about Antioch West. It's about you. 
So, Father, today I would ask that your spirit would penetrate our hearts and lives today, that we would draw closer to you. Maybe some of us have gotten into a situation where our relationship with you has grown stale and cold and empty and religious and we're repeating the same thing over and over again and we've lost the fruit of joy and peace and happiness and righteousness because we don't see it anymore because we've lost our we've lost our first love which is you so lord today i pray that for those who have never had it that you would show them and those who have had it and lost it that you would bring them to that place where they would remember why we're doing all this it's for you not for what we get out of it, whether or not you ever do anything ever again. God, you don't have to do one more thing to us and for us. You've done enough when you saved us and washed us and cleansed us with your blood. Lord, we just want to know you. As Paul said it, we just want to know you. If that means we have to live in infirmity, if we have to live with loss, we have to live with emptiness, we have to live with Antioch West being virtual forever. As much as we don't like that, we don't want that. But God, if that's what it takes to know you, then Lord, it's, we're willing to do whatever it takes to know you. So, Father, today I ask that you would reveal yourself to us in a greater way. Reveal yourself to the hungry and to those who, who, who are today filled with other things of life. Lord, by your grace today, help them to see that nothing in this world satisfies but you. You're the source of everything and nothing can satisfy like you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.